0: Hey, Rosie's House of Hockey fans. Did that work? Did that work? Welcome to the first episode of a four-part series that Greg and I are doing of called Rosie's House of Hockey on the Metropolitan Riveters. Greg, say hello. Yep, I'm here. Yep, you are here. We've are doing. we teamed up with the Riveters, uh, an organization who we've grown close with over the past couple months, uh, thanks to some friends we have over there, and Harrison especially. And he's hooked us up with some players. And today we have the head coach, Randy Velichek, who's going to come on and talk to us about well, a lot of different things. Uh, we haven't interviewed him yet, but I'm assuming we're going to go, go through how he became a coach, what he thinks of his team, what the league is and how it's expanding and how it's growing over time. And, uh, I'm sure a plethora of other topics, but I, we're really excited. I can think I can speak for both Greg and I when I say this, uh, to be teaming with the riveters and hopefully we can grab some interest for the team. And I mean, it's us guys. It's like six of you. So I'm not sure how much interest we'll generate, but I'm excited to, uh, to, to, Go down this new path with you, Greg, to learn more about the Riveters and introduce them to more fans.
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting opportunity we've been given. The NWHL, obviously, is growing. It's in its infancy, and it's fascinating to see new leagues and new ventures attempt new things. It's basically what they're doing. Imagine starting a hockey league completely from scratch and the process in which they're trying to bring in new players, they're trying to build new organizations, new relationships. All of it's very interesting, and it's something that interests us. I mean, in a way, we're no different, right? We were just two guys who started podcasting, and all of a sudden, oh, three I mean, years later,
0: in a way, we're much. We still are. In a way, we're much different.
1: <laughs> but at the same time, it's just it, it's building a brand, and everyone has their own way of doing it, and everyone has their own part to play. So. It's really exciting that the Riveters are allowing us a behind-the-scenes look at how they're doing it. They're arguably one of the more fascinating – I mean, there are only five teams, but they're the defending champs, yet they went through a coaching change. The roster, similar, but some key players are different this year, doing different things. It's going to be fun getting a look behind the team. We'd love to do this with more teams. I mean, one day – Isn't the point of the podcast to be able to do this with the Rangers? Uh, Yeah, I mean, that would be be... the
0: dream, wouldn't it be? MSG, if you're listening? But
1: uh, it's the ribs are giving us a chance to get a better idea of the league and the team. And we hope that even if two people find this interesting, I'm excited that they get to take this journey with us because I couldn't be more excited to learn more about literally a startup. That's what it is. It's a hockey startup.
0: It's pretty much exactly it, and I we've said this before in the show. But if this is your first time listening, I don't understand. But uh, we've gone to a Riveters game, and I got to tell you, if you get a chance to go, it's a lot of fun. It's a great day out. It's close and personal hockey, and it's it's a really high quality play. I I can't recommend it enough.
1: I can't tell you how great it is to just be there live and in person. It it's it's just a close knit community. So the fact that they open their arms to us. We want to we wanna do something back that helps them in any way. And if, the, if, this, if this can help get a couple more people interested, great,
0: fantastic. I can't be more excited about that. And, well, with all that said, I think we should just go to the interview. Let's go to Randy Valachek, where he's going to talk to us about a plethora of things. Hopefully you guys enjoy. Here we go. Transition. And for the first episode ever of Rosie's House of Hockey... We have the head coach of the Metropolitan Riveters. We have Randy Velashek with us. Randy, thank you so much for being with us tonight.
2: Uh, Ryan, Greg, it's a pleasure. And again, my humblest apologies. A little tardy uh, getting to you guys this evening. And um, I'll make up for it. I'll, I'll try and be uh, dynamic in, in this interview if I can.
0: <laughs> well, we appreciate it. <laughs> uh, we started that we teamed up with uh, Harrison, who's the head of the NWHL operations over there. He got us in touch with you guys. So we started teaming up with the Riveters and hopefully we can help you out, get a little more Fan, you, well, let's start right there. I guess we went to one of your games. You guys have some some great fans. Everyone packs out the house every time we're every time the, there's a game there, right?
2: I'm not sure where we were you at our venue, and we Barnum? were, yeah, we were at your yeah. venue, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we haven't, uh, despite the fact that the team hasn't had a ton of success. I can tell you, I can tell you that uh, uh, the uh, the fan base is it's almost like the Devils of the 1980s. Uh, you know that the Devils were not very good in that era. And yet, uh, there was uh, there was a nucleus of fans that, that stayed with the team through thick and thin, and through good and bad. And uh, this uh, this sort of, you know this team won last year; they were champions. And this year, it hasn't been exactly the same story, but the uh, the fan base has been absolutely super loyal, uh, vociferous. And uh, we actually played one game in the in the in the, in the Devils' venue in the Prue Center, and that was very well attended. It was against the, a Minnesota team early on in the year. And, uh, despite again despite the um, I don't think the fans really look at the record I think it's the product and what the what the players are bringing to the table and I can tell you this from being you know having been involved in in pro hockey and amateur hockey and college hockey over so many years i'm fifty seven years old I can tell you the product is a uh, it's it's fun to watch it, it really is that the girls give everything every time they're on the ice and uh, there's a uh, dynamism that exists and especially some of the players are are more recognizable to the fans the ones that have been around the longest and they, um, you know, when you when you only play sixteen games, six or eight of which are at home, uh, if you're not ready to play your home game, you're you know there's something wrong. It's like an NFL football game; you're you're all pumped up because you've been waiting all week to play.
1: Randy, before we get too deep into um, your role with the team this year and how unique that is, I'm I'm always curious to ask any coach: When did you ha- did you ever have? You must have, right? Had that moment where you realized, oh damn! Whenever my playing career is over coaching might be up my alley. Do you know if there was one instance where either you or a teammate or another coach said, Randy, you got a future here, man. You just got to explore it.
2: (laughs) You know, uh, do you guys remember Jim Schoenfeld at all? I don't know if you recognize the name. Uh, Jim Schoenfeld played for the Buffalo Sabres. He's a little bit older than I am and he's uh, early 60s. He's the assistant general manager right now with the New York Rangers. Uh, Jim had a long coaching career, a long playing career, he became the coach of the Devils at, at a pretty young age. He couldn't have been more than in his late 30s, maybe early 40s. And I remember I, uh, I played with him for four years. He coached me for four years. And I he told me one time, and he was very, he was a player's coach. He, uh, he and I spoke. We became we pretty close. And uh, he was a pretty cerebral guy. And, he, you know, we'd, we'd have conversations about just the game overall, you know, overall, just like life and things. And he, you know, he played probably 700 NHL games. But he told me that the the high you get from coaching is a greater high than you get from uh, from playing, and especially when you when you win. And that's something that I, I I didn't I didn't really believe it until I stopped playing and then I had an opportunity to coach at uh, at the amateur youth level and the high school level, and I'm experiencing and, and now with the with the, with the professional girls, it's, it's the absolute truth. Uh, putting a game plan together and watching what you you know you put on whether it's through video or whether it's something you talk about before the game or whether you're putting it on, whether you're practicing it all week, when it all comes to fruition, there is something to be said about the, the high of, uh, of winning a game. And whether it's your 10th your win or your 1,000th win, uh, Jacques Martin is a friend of mine. He's uh, an assistant coach right now with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was a head coach for four or five different NHL teams. And I, he and I stay in contact. And I, I it, we have the same conversations, even though I've never coached at the level he's, He's at right now, or has been at. It's that same that same thrill of victory exists for the coaches. It does for the players, and, and I think for the, the coaches, it's even more so because it lingers. For the players, you know, you you sort of play and it's over with. You, you go home, you know, you go with the guys or whatever it is, or the girls whatever it is. Uh, but for the for the coaches, you know, they sit and they, they 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 do the video, they do the breakdown, and um. And yeah, that's that's pretty much how. I never thought I was actually going to be doing this. Uh, uh, my my arrival with the Riveters was sort of late in the game, but uh, it's been, uh, today it's been one of the best experiences I've had as a coach.
0: So to follow up on that, I, I I've read, or uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're also like the general manager of the Riveters while also being the head coach. Uh, so do you do a lot of the scouting also? How, I, I'm assuming that's a lot of different tasks to handle at the same time. How, how do you go about handling that?
2: Well, there's, there's five teams and it, 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 this is Ryan, by the way. This yes, is mean, Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. It, it, there, the, so there's five teams and we're all by default. We're all, all five of us coaches are, are sort of general managers because we, we did have a draft a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and really the only way you can base base your selections is on either making phone calls, watching video, uh, and, and, you know, basing your, your, your assessment of talent on, on, on those two components. So in, in my case, uh, some of the, Mark Johnson is a former teammate of mine. He coaches out in Wisconsin and has been there a long time. And I was able to get through to him and we'd, we'd have, a, you know, we'd have a half hour, 45 minute conversation about some of his players uh, who uh, would potentially have a, have interest in continuing their career there. There is a uh, Wisconsin Badger pipeline with the Riveters. We have three players that played out there. Got it. Uh, so, you know, that, that's one of my first phone calls is somebody that, you know, wherever, the, wherever some of our players may have played Boston University, um, I'm trying to think RPI. um, Trying to think who else we have Harvard, the Harvard coach, uh, the Boston College coach. So, so those are phone calls that it's sometimes a little bit easier for me to make them simply because I've played in the league and I some of you know some of these coaches that I either recognize their names or they recognize me and it's it's a lot easier having a conversation with somebody that has a hockey background uh, than than maybe it's somebody that doesn't. So, so that you know that 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 is actually part of the the fun part as well. So the two or three weeks or a month previous to the draft, I was able to get in contact with some of the coaches uh, and and I either have conversations and either with the head coaches, assistant coaches, and in some instances, they sent video. So I got a chance to watch some of the, the young ladies play. So I never really had a chance to actually watch uh, watch any of our draft picks play live, mm-hmm. but I was in the aftermath. One of our draft picks uh, plays at Merrimack and I had a chance to watch her play against Princeton about two weeks ago down in a, in a tournament I was being playing at Baker Arena, so I got a chance to watch her play and say hello. And so, from that perspective, the um, the so-called general man- managing duties are are um, they're interesting. And it, it doesn't only involve the draft; it involves making trades. We traded for a goaltender recently, and again, it's sort of um, it's part of the allure of of coaching at this at this level. And you know, with the uh, with this professional league.
1: Randy, to to bounce off that a little bit? You have one of the more interesting jobs in professional sports whereas you're taking over the defending champion and <laughs> I, I can count I think I can count on one hand the amount of times I can name that that has actually happened in any professional sport anywhere what are some of the challenges you've seen just you're walking into a new environment this is the a, a nucleus that has basically been together through thick and thin the last couple of years and they're coming off accomplishing the ultimate feat that that alone has to be challenging for you to be new and be like, here's what we have to do in order to get back there.
2: <laughs> uh, touche. <laughs> uh, it, it was it, it certainly walking to that locker room for the first uh, day and even for the first month was certainly, it, it's a challenge. The girls, uh, our players, I'd say that we might have, there might have been four or five that moved on, but as you as you mentioned, Greg, the nucleus uh, was there, uh, returned, the goaltender uh, pretty much um, all six defensemen uh, the two-thirds of the forwards and certainly the key players the, the go-to players from last year were all we're all back and it's certainly you know first of all getting just getting to know their tendencies getting to know who they played with uh, Chad Wiseman who was terrific he was their coach for the three previous years he won a championship with them last year he was an incredible resource I was able to speak to him on multiple occasions and he gave me a real insight into you know who did what the previous year and you know how to coaching uh, coaching professional women is is certainly a little different than you know what i'd been accustomed to and you know, I'd, I'd never coached professionally number one chad had had, had i not i'm not sure if he'd done it he might have, he was playing over in Europe but i think he did have some experience but long story short it was a it was a tra- it was a really it was a transition uh for them to get to know me and me to get me to get to know them and you know my line and my line combination certainly weren't going to be with what, what they would I saw things differently. I, I, I look at uh, I look at Rebecca Russo maybe a little bit differently than Chad Wiseman would have, and I look at our, our, our defense uh, pairings. Uh, this is what I like because I'm a former defenseman, and I, I have the certain players that uh, their styles appeal to me more than others. So, uh, really, the the whole getting accustomed and getting acc- acc- acclimated was uh, was a challenge. But you know what? After it, it took about a month, um, but but the, the girls have been uh, the girls are open-minded. They understand the challenge that I'm facing. And they were they were very communicative and very helpful in making my transition probably as seamless as it could be. And obviously, the, the record at the moment is, is something that it burdens me when I go to bed at night. But I, I, I think the players also realize that you know there's extenuating circumstances that uh, you know we're we're playing in a league that the league is uh, the league is tough and, and everybody that play everybody plays the defending champs as if uh, it's a championship game. So we we you know we've, we we're we're just challenged we we face from going forward. You know, where it's, uh, it's, uh, they're, they're certainly there.
0: You mentioned trading for a goalie before, and correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Was that goalie uh, Maria Sorokina? That is correct. Um, what was your logic in, in trading for for Maria? Was part of that, like, switching up maybe to... Uh, I know it's been a little bit of a tough season, as you mentioned. Was part of that, like, a strategy to maybe shake it up on the ice and, and see what we could do differently?
2: No, uh, you nailed it, uh, for sure. It, it, it's hard to... But you just think of the logistics of all this. Is that anybody that would would anybody that is involved in a trade has a right of first refusal? So it's to ask somebody if they want to move. You have to ask that question, and that individual needs to say yes. And most of the most of the young ladies, most of the players on our team work in the area. And for them to just get up and you know pack it up and head up to Buffalo, or uh, even if it's Boston and, and even Connecticut, even though it's not that far, it's it's a life change. Uh, the the camaraderie on this team, the the bonds are very they're very tight. Uh, This is a even with the new players that have come in. This is a very it's a very close knit group of uh, of young young women. So, to making that, so moving a player, uh, a positional player besides the goalie would be would be a challenge in any kind of trade. Um, And then bringing somebody in where really all what it involved was a player to be named later, where there wasn't any real 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 roster change. Mm Uh, it was our you know, that was the goal to bring somebody in, uh, just to, really to shake to shake things up. Maria has uh, she's a national team goalie for the Russian uh, Russian national team. She has a, you know she came highly recommended. Uh, m- multiple people had seen her play, uh, so it, it was sort of a function of both. When you're two and eight or whatever we were at the time, when our you know we, we, we just uh, you know we weren't getting the consistency maybe from our goal that we were looking from. Uh, it it became sort of a not an easy move but it became a logical move if the opportunity was there and that's uh, you know actually the first first game of work it didn't work so well the second one
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I heard about your Buffalo game a couple days ago
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh,
1: I know I'm trying to think of a a clear and concise way to word this Um, (laughs) obviously you have a, a star player in a team like Amanda Kessel and She's, she comes from the background of the United States development system, and most of the, national, the U.S. women's team comes from that same background. But this year's also the first year where a player who honed their craft in the NWHL received a national team invite for the first time. Do you feel a responsibility as either a coach or the fact that this league is so young to not just make your team competitive on a nightly basis, but also improve the play of your individual players to try and bring them to the national spotlight a little bit more, give them the opportunity to potentially play for the national team, be it U.S., Canadian, Russian, Finnish, so on and so forth?
2: Uh, I, I, unequivocally, yes. Uh, that, that's the whole – first of all, besides the fact that it reflects well on the league, uh, it reflects well on, on, our, on the respective team – uh, that that's the goal so you know everything we do is, is not, not necessarily to win the next game it's the you know what, what what can help you be a better hockey player you know what, what can I lend them uh, with my you know my years of experience how can I help uh, Chelsea's the 80 how can I help her she's a young uh, Harvard grad who's playing she's became one of our top defensemen how can I help her attain if she's in if she's inclined and you know what is that next level for her and how can we how can we keep the the, the young ladies that have played at the, at the top level, uh, Michelle Picard um, or Shelley Picard, any of those players that have played are really either in Olympic teams, and, and she actually wants to, you know, re- regain that form she once had. What can I do? To, what can I or Kate Whitman, our assistant coach, what can we do to, to propagate that? So no, no question. We want to make sure that the experience is the best experience, that it's, it's always a learning experience. The best players are always getting better. And that's one thing I noticed with them, if you watch Amanda Kessel practice, you'd know right away why she's been at the top of her game for as long as she has. Because she's, she leads every drill, any skating drill we do, she's at the front uh, of the line. Any Anything that involves conditioning or just the, the pure work ethic that she exerts in drills, and in one-on-one battles, uh, it, it, there's a reason she is where she is. So we want to keep her there, number one. And we, we want to definitely, if we can, as all candidates, as a coaching staff, give any of the young ladies that that aspire to that an opportunity and that's why you know the coaching is just not you know how how are we going to win the next game it's uh, how can you do this better how can you improve as an athlete.
0: You know you mentioned something taking things from maybe what you learned when you were playing what do you bring to a head coach position that you learned from your time in the NHL?
2: You know the biggest thing is and, and what's what's changed so much is that uh, there is a lot more instruction involved. When we played in our era, I was I played in the 80s and early 90s. It was sort of assumed that you knew what to do, mm-hmm. and that's changed dramatically. It really, uh, I think Jacques Lemaire and, and Larry Robinson, who came to the Devils in the early 90s and won the first Cup with the Devils in '95, that that I believe sort of began the era of uh, of really taking players, even veteran players, and and trying to make them, you know, always teaching them and Larry Robinson was a great Hall of Fame defenseman. He won six or seven Stanley Cups at the Rangers and played an incredible 25-year career. Uh, he was uh, he was an incredible teacher of the game to the players like Ken Danico and um, even Scott Stevens. Any of those players, that if you ask them right now, and they were all veteran players by the time they they played for Larry and and Jacques Lemaire. They they all became better hockey players after those two arrived on the scene. And thus, there's no surprise that the Devils went on and won three Stanley Cups. And that's something that's been translated now across the line, at the at the at the men's level. And it's certainly something that's prevalent now at the women's level as well. So we're you know from my my experience, I was a I was a defensive defenseman. Uh, and so just how how to read plays and how to make easy decisions, how to um, it's, those are things that I can lend to the defense Corps, And and even, even for some of the forwards, I can, you know, keeping your game as simple as possible. The game has changed now to the point that, that everybody needs to be able to get the puck to the net and drive the net. Uh, You got to use your points consistently. There's certain things, you know, little chips off the wall are so much more prevalent now than they were in my era. So those are things that, you know, that I, I try and constantly remind the, 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 our players that this is what you want to do. This is what you need to do to be successful. Um, So definitely from, I'm, I'm always trying to get those points across, and at the same time, it's a mental attitude. So much of playing this game, uh, just from my you know my years uh, at the at the at the pro level, there's so many. There are there are thousands, hundreds of guys that are as skilled as maybe not as skilled as Ovechkin, but there's as there's a thousand guys out there that look like Paul Mary and and looked like uh, um, you know some of the the, the middle of the the, the the you know maybe not the elite NHLers, but there's a lot of guys just like that. But the reason that Paul Mary got there and so and so got there and uh, and others didn't is because because how strong they are mentally, and that's something you try and bring across to your to your, uh, to your team that you know you, you got to face adversity. You, you know you just don't you don't mail it in when you're down a goal or you've lost three in a row. That that there's uh, there's, there's certain ways you approach the game that'll help you be successful. And a lot of it is your mindset. So uh, between the two, between what can be taught on ice and what can be uh, you know brought across as far as the mental toughness. Uh, You know, you try and, you try and, you know, as much as you can, you try and bring that to the players that are willing to listen.
1: Randy, you mentioned uh, earlier that, you know, there's there's some seasons on your legs. You're 57 years old. I think that makes you about three years younger than Mark Stahl. Any chance you can still (laughs) skate up for the Rangers
2: because they can use the help? (laughs) Oh, uh, you know what? uh, It's interesting how you're. uh, The skill set erodes <laughs> very quickly. One, one thing I one thing I noticed the guys that were the guys were real skilled players. Uh, Bruce Driver I, it comes to mind, or uh, Slava Fetisov, Larry Robinson. These guys were elite players, offensive players in their playing days. And I we, we play in some of these alumni games. So, you know what's what I find amazing? The guys that were elite players, hand guys that had great hands and great skating ability, those are the ones that lose their skills the least. Uh, the ones that are uh, Brian Mullins, another one that comes to mind right now, who had a great set of hands. The players like myself, I was more of a, a role player and somebody that moved the puck, and you know, I was sort of a banger and crasher. It's guys like us, you, you wouldn't, you'd never know that I'd ever played at a high level. You'd have no idea. <laughs> so I, 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 I'd, have, I'd have a tough time playing uh, at any level. Uh, I think the, I mean, literally, I, I, I try and avoid scrimmages with the girls because it's actually embarrassing. Because they have, I mean, they have incredible hands and incredible skills that I never had. So it's. Uh, I, I wish I could have retained some of them. <laughs> it,
1: it's all right. We watch. We watch Cody McLeod on a nightly basis, and we're yet to see any skill from him. So hey, it's, it's totally fine. Spe-
0: <laughs> speaking of Cody McLeod, did you know some of Randy's fights are on YouTube? And you can go right now and watch some of Randy Velashek's fights if you type them in. Not that I. Not that I did that today, Randy.
2: <laughs> oh, you don't want to do that. I, I, was, I think Greg Garuby one punched me, and so did Wendell Clark. <laughs> was a pretty, I can remember. I can remember winning one fight, and that was that was against. A, I kind to think who it was again, though. Oh, he's a Montreal Canadian, and he didn't, he didn't see it coming. <laughs> that's, that's the only way I could, uh, I could win one if I one. I didn't want to spoil one. it
0: for the, uh, for the people who might go watch, but maybe we'll share a link or two. We'll see. <laughs> uh, um, I actually want to pick your brain about something, because, you know, uh, as, as blog boys like Greg and I are, or people that follow teams very closely for no reason, other than our true love for the game, uh, I'm always curious as to what a head coach is thinking when they're switching lines like what goes through your mind when you're like okay, I gotta switch this line up what are you seeing that you're like okay i, I I've seen something and i and I need to switch something up for on this line why
2: well, are you saying like lines doesn't personnel on the lines if you you know if you're making it like a I'm saying like somebody like, off and,
0: like more yeah like you're switching like your, our, your first line you're swapping people out like you're moving somebody down to the third line bringing somebody up to the
2: first uh, it, as much as anything as everybody has different. Everybody has different. You know, you you come to a game sometimes, and you just you, the legs aren't there, or the head's not there, or, or you're struggling in a certain way. So that's something that, as a coach, again, it's very subjective. But I'm looking at, I'm I'm looking at body language, and uh, is somebody making a good decision? And that's that that all plays that all plays into that. And the fact that we only have nine forwards on a team uh, makes it a little bit more difficult because you don't have that luxury of having an extra three forwards where you can, you know, you intersperse the players to a greater degree so as much as anything it's how that particular player is playing in that game uh, maybe somebody on our third line is having a, just a great skating game you can just sort of feel Kelly Nash came and played for us uh, she's one of our veterans that, that won here last year she came and joined us the other day uh, at one of our games up in Connecticut and she was as you could just sort of tell that she was having she was on and I made sure that she got extra ice time. She killed a penalty here and there, which she didn't, doesn't normally do. And I, when somebody was either in the penalty box or somebody was uh, tired after a long shift, I was able to fit her in on the first line. So really, it's it's totally how the game is going, who the other team is putting out there. In many instances, you want certain matchups. Uh, we don't want our, we don't want a, one of our smallest centermen to be facing off against another. Centerman that's uh, that outweighs her by 50 pounds, and that goes also for defensive, you know, play in the defensive zone, defensive zone face-offs. You're also looking for matchups that you find favorable, especially if you're the home team. So again, it's uh, that's one of the that's one of the challenges, and one of the thrills of coaching is that it, when when that all comes together and you say you've neutralized the other team's top line or top player, uh, it's usually for a reason. It's not just uh, uh, just just good luck, you know, or pure chance. It's because you've got you put in you put certain defense pairings against certain forwards. And you've um, you know you made certain decisions as to who goes out when.
1: Randy, the league obviously is still in its infancy. We're we're talking about a league that is yet to even get to bar mitzvah age. What are some of your goals for the long term longevity of the NWHL? Where where do you think this league can be in the next
2: five years? I'm I'm very guys. I'm very new to this. So, but but I would say from the markets that I visited and I've been to Buffalo, Boston. Connecticut and Minnesota, all of those to me seem very strong. Uh, Boston has a, has, a, has a rich hockey tradition, so I believe the, the league is well-placed there. From what I saw in Buffalo, uh, ownership up there is very strong. The, the, the NHL owner is supporting the team. The women's team, our, our, our game up there, I've only been there once, but our game was very well attended. Uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm from the, again, from the fans. The, the, the team seemed very well marketed. Uh, the players seemed happy. They're you know they're a successful, well-coached team. Uh, the same goes here for for the Jersey area. Again, you've got a good nucleus of fans. Even though it's a, it's it's there's so much going on in the New York metropolitan area. Uh, I, I find the fact that we have a niche at all it's 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 pretty remarkable. That the, the the women and the league has done a very good job of of putting the the team in the right place, at the right time. That there is a a loyal fan base. Connecticut again, great population base. The fact that there's a lot of a lot of youth hockey, women women that are playing hockey in in that area and also in this area. Uh, So these five markets, I didn't mention Minnesota because it seems like a no-brainer. I I could probably have two teams out there based on the amount of interest there is. The amount of of, you know there's there's college hockey programs out there. I believe every major college in Minneapolis, Wisconsin, in that general area has a a women's uh, D1 hockey program or D3 at the very least. So those five markets, from what I can see, are, are stable and hopefully will remain so and now it's just a question of what other markets can you target uh, where the city um, you know where the cities are large enough but there's enough of a a, a women's uh, youth presence a girl's youth presence in the area pittsburgh comes to mind simply because we've played there we played there this year the league played there last year maybe even the year before and our game out there was very well attended um, certainly when i was there this year and i heard the same last year so there would be a potential sixth market and then a 16 and then uh, the Canadians. At some point, um, I'm suspecting you're going to have to get uh, involved in this. And again, I don't know a lot about what's going on internally, but I can imagine that having a Toronto or Montreal, and you know any of the big six uh, um, original six teams involved in some capacity would be the next logical step. Um, you know, uh, Chicago, perhaps, a uh, uh, Detroit, getting them as well. Again, there's uh, there's an abundance of youth teams in those areas uh, where the girls are, you know, the, the girls' sport is, is, is definitely a girls' sport, guys. I'm sure you're aware of that, but women's hockey uh, at the 6U, 8U, 12U, 14U, 16U is prospering in, in, in a whole bunch of markets. So I think anywhere you've got a, a strong youth women's program, you can find a way to make a team work, and then it's, uh, it's a matter of, ha- I think, having the NHL teams uh, be behind this in some capacity. I think that would really lend credibility to to what uh, to what the league is, you know, to this league. And I can tell you, just uh, not because I'm part of it. It's this is a it's a it's a great way to watch. it's a great it's a fun experience. The, the hockey is intense. Uh, you're only playing. You know, it's it's, it's become different than the men's game. Men's game, which I think has become sort of in many ways um, almost. Uh, uh, I don't want to say run of the mill is the right word, but it's become very. Predictable. I'm not sure you guys are watching enough NHL hockey, but I find I find it's really hard to know the difference between the, the third line player on the Devils and the third line player on the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. They all play the same way. Whereas when you watch uh, Rebecca Russo come down the ice, you know it's her. She's just uh, she's like uh, Yvonne Cormier from the Canadians in the 70s, and uh, Packer, uh, who's one of our players, she plays like uh, Phil Esposito. You know, she's not a, not a she has her own style, and Kessel has her own style. So. I think you really see that in the women's game where there's a lot more individuality, and that's something that I believe the fans are the fans latch on to and that's where I believe the growth will be is, is identifying these marquee players and marquee styles of play and you know you know making that making that uh and getting it out there.
0: I was going to ask you who are the players to watch on on your team outside of uh Amanda Kessel, but I feel like you just answered that question
2: Yeah, to some extent I would say definitely uh. Uh, uh, Rebecca Russo and uh, Erica Lawler. Uh, Lawler is a former Olympian. Uh, she's uh, she's a speedster. She's she's five foot. I don't think I she's even five feet tall. She is. She brings everything to the table every time she's out there. She's just a lot of fun to watch because she skates so well and she's she's exciting to watch. You know, the hair is the hair is you know sort of coming out the back of her helmet, and she's nonstop hustle, and that's that's something that the fans really really appreciate. Um, Alexa Grushaw is, is in the hardworking centerman who is also a certain amount of flair. She's a great skater. Uh, Russo, I mentioned um, uh, on the on the back end, uh, uh Courtney Burke is is about five eleven or five ten, and she handles the puck like almost like Larry Robinson did. She's a left-handed shot like he is. She's got a great shot. She moves the puck really well. She's smart with it. Kelsey Colzer is probably the, in my mind the best skate the skating defenseman in the league. And uh, she's got a she's got a rocket of a slap shot. So she's another one to watch when she's on her game, and our defense are, are really—they're always part of the rush. So the, the game—the game has a really good flow to it. Like anybody that's come and watched, I've, I've got friends that have uh, have watched the game and uh, had never watched a women's game before, and they came away impressed, just by the fact that the amount of effort is there's never a day off, which is something you know you see when you're playing 82 games, it's inevitable you're going to have that a little bit of you can have a downturn, whereas when you're playing 16 games and every every game means something, it's it's a different uh, it's a different. Different
0: uh, story. Well, Randy, I want to take this time to thank you first off, but I also want to take tell everyone listening: if you're in the New York City area, February second, the day before the Super Bowl, the Riveters will be playing. Greg and I will be in attendance, or at least Greg will be. And uh, I I would invite everyone to come out and watch the game with us. As as Randy has said tonight, uh, it is an awesome experience. The girls give it their all, uh, and it's an amazing style of hockey. I I have a few more just rush questions, Randy, before we get out here. If you, you don't mind, like a quick. Speed question zone? Go for it. Uh, what do you guys think of analytics on the team? Is there any analytics right now in the NWHL, or is it more uh, the old-school style of hockey?
2: When you say analytics, uh, breaking, down, breaking down film, breaking down...
0: I'm more using like, like statistics like Corsi and, and some other... Uh, and, and really taking the hard numbers and, and applying them to the team.
2: I don't, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I, it, it's old style from what I from what I've seen. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think we have the staff yet to do, to get into the, the, the entire breakdown of what, what, what goes on game to game. You mentioned earlier,
0: uh, mental toughness is uh, when you were playing, or even when you're, you're seeing your players now, is sports psychology, a big part of, of what you guys do. Is there anyone you guys have uh, talked to or is, you guys have mental skills programs, or is it really just preaching the toughness to your players?
2: It's pre- it's more of a preaching situation. It's very individual. I think every coach approaches that his or her own way. Everybody has their it's again, very subjective.
0: Who is the biggest rival you're playing against?
2: I would say right now it could very well be the Boston, uh, uh, what, they call, what they call the Boston Pride. That's right. Boston Pride. So right that's, now that's that, right. that seems like our uh, that seems like our, our uh, the, those games have been the most intense from what I've seen.
0: Greg, that was my speed round. Do you have any more questions, my friend?
2: I mean, we haven't asked this one in
1: a very long time, Randy. I got to know. Oh boy, is a hot dog a sandwich?
2: Hold on, I missed that. I'm sorry, guys. uh, That's okay. I missed that. Yeah, that was great. Go Uh, ahead.
1: uh, Yeah, we uh, we once upon a time we used to ask all our guests on the podcast if a hot dog was a sandwich. So it's a little test we put out there. It's not a sandwich. It's not a sandwich.
0: That's my fucking guy, Randy. That's my guy, Randy. That's (laughs) what I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) All right, Randy. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm disappointed, but uh, I'm also a little disappointed. It's a
0: sandwich. It's no, got the same I'm qualifications not, as a sandwich. This does. is so old school. No, I'm not doing it anymore. Thank you so much, Randy. <laughs> Randy, hopefully we can <laughs> see you on, on February second. We'll say hello. We'll wave from the stands,
2: I, and I, that'd be great. To, uh, do more than that. Come on down and say hello. I'd love to meet both of you.
0: Absolutely will. Everyone else out there listening, you you can go get Riveters tickets right now. You can find the Riveters on Twitter. You can watch their games live. Check out their schedule at nwhl.com. dot uh, dot zone. I think it is actually. And uh, thanks so much, Randy. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Roy, Greg. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Have a good night.